stretch. Austin Jackson back looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He's gone. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawk wins. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. everybody welcome back to episode 11 of the cloud gate sports podcast i know our listeners loved hearing that intro uh song that we have so it's good to hear that again it's quite uh quite flame but uh so today we're without jack and jay jay of course covers our bulls jack covers our cubs so how are you boys feeling feeling pretty good man it's good to be back it's been a long long time for sure yeah, it's good to be back on the grind. Um, happy to see sports are making the comeback. Yes. And sports are back, that means we're coming back. Yes, exactly. We got hockey starting up this weekend. We got baseball already in full swing. Basketball's right around the corner. And, of course, football. We'll see how that goes, but it looks like football is going to be full swing when it comes around to start. So we're going to hop right into it with uh, Cubs and Sox. Of course, Jack's not here, so we're going to wait to... Uh, jump fully into the Cubs next episode when we have Jack with us. But with our White Sox, of course, not the picture-perfect per- weekend that we could have had, but had some goods, had some bads. We're going to start with the good. Luis Robert, first bomb and first hit at 150 miles an hour showing off his power. PT, how are we feeling about it so far? You know, I think this kid's really electric. I just love watching him in the outfield, really, to be honest with you, the most. Um, the fact that he's running from center field and calling Delmonico off when he's standing over the ball is kind of just mind-blowing. Um, I think his defensive skills have kind of blown me away the most because we kind of knew that he was a power hitter when he, coming in. Um, so I kind of was expecting to kind of see some balls fly off the bat. Obviously, at 115, that's mind-blowing. Um, just a piss rod running, running across the field. Um, but, you know, I think he's definitely something that uh, – We've been looking for and needed in the outfield for a long, long time, and it finally feels good to have something out there that it's going to kind of put on a show for sure. Yes. Yeah, I think BT is 100% right. It's awesome to see. Um, he's kind of making a name for himself that early on in the season. You know, like you said, we, we know him as Sox fans. Seeing him in the minors last year is he's hitting absolute bombs and a huge power hitter. But it's awesome to see him. You know, rookie taking charge in the outfield with a bunch of guys that have been in the league for a little bit. Um, I, for, I mean, I'm, since I'm a Hawks guy, I'm going to have to say it. I love that he's repping number 88. It's a hell of a number to win yep. in Chicago. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that first RBI, you could tell, like, that first hit, I should say. Uh, I mean, he he knew it right when he made contact and he was hyped. And it's going to be, if he keeps it up, it's going to be a hell of a huge one. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's, uh, Definitely shown that he has the potential of being that five-tool player that we uh, 
thought he was going to end up being. He's looking great, great in the field. Uh, of course, he's showing some of the rookie yips, but we were going to get that no matter what. Uh, with one of our young players now, uh, Eloy Jimenez, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit. Seems like this man just can't find his way around the outfield grass, as we saw in the uh, game yesterday or two days ago with uh, him crashing into the outfield wall. Uh, he tested negative for uh, concussion, so that's always good. It looks like he might miss the next couple games, though. Just going to take it easy. I know he was for sure going to be out today, but of course the game got uh, postponed due to rain. They'll have a doubleheader tomorrow. Uh, how do you guys feel about Eloy in the outfield? And most importantly, do you think he's going to be able to stay healthy throughout the years playing the outfield? Because I think, I think that's the big question mark right now. Well, unfortunately, I think that he's going to have to learn his way out there. Um, and that kind of lays on the coach's shoulders, too. Why, why are we not working on wall, draw, uh, wall drills with him? And what are we, we kind of going wrong here with him? Because he's a young player. Um, he, sh- he should be able to figure, out, figure it out pretty quickly. Um, but we're not just seeing it right now. I think that he will eventually find his way because, like I said, it falls on the coach's shoulders, too, as well. Like, they got to get out there with him, and they got to make sure that he's understanding where he's at at all times. Um, it, it's just going to come eventually. I know um, it kind of can be a big movement going out to the outfield and kind of just learning new ballparks and everything. It just comes with time. I know we got to be patient with him. And I know it hurts kind of when he runs into walls and stuff. I, I was at, I was at my baseball game. I was just checking my phone and I saw White Sox did a tweet. Can we can we stop letting Eli run to the wall twice in the game? And I was just like, oh my goodness. So you know, I, th- I think it's gonna come with time. Um, we got to be patient with it. Uh, he's, he's still a young player. He's got plenty of years left left with us. I think there's there's brighter days ahead for him for sure. Yeah, I he's second year on the team. He still needs to get acclimated to the outfield. I mean he hasn't had had the full opportunity to you know get years in the league where he's able to know, you know, where he needs to stand and how each ballpark feels for him. And it's gonna happen. Um, I mean he's kind of uh, adapting his inner Aaron Rowan. I see like crashing walls multiple times on that the two thousand five team. Yep. yep. Uh, but I mean, he needs to learn. Like you said, like Tiki said, it does fall on the coaches. He needs to realize that that's his position. You know, in prior years when the Sox weren't as deep in the bat in the bats, you know, we could have had the conversation of him moving just to the DH position. Yep. We can't do that exactly. anymore. We're way too deep yeah. when it comes to the bats right now. He needs to learn that position. And I'm kind of getting a feel for. And I'm sure Jack would probably back me up on this one. They kind of getting a feel for Kyle Schwarber vibe. Hundred percent. Find his groove in, in, in the, on the outfield. Like I said, it's, he's still early in his career. He has plenty of years with the Sox. I'm not too worried about it right now. But it is scary in those situations where you do see him. He's tracking a ball perfectly, but he he runs out of room and is eats it. It's scary. You don't want that guy to get hurt. Yeah, definitely. You do not want him getting hurt. Uh, so let's touch on another positive. Dallas Keuchel, our big free agent signing this offseason, looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, definitely showing Mark Burley vibes early on in the season. Not a lot of strikeouts, but Dallas Keuchel is the pitcher where we don't need strikeouts. He's going to put the ball uh, in the strike zone. They're going to put the ball on the ground. Our infielders are going to make plays. It's honestly just the perfect thing, perfect pitcher that the White Sox needed. So Keuchel is definitely filling the position well so far. 100%. I think it keeps all our infielders on their toes, too. Um, because I think, honestly, the more reps you get, the better you're going to be. 
So that's going to help Tim up the middle. Um, yeah, Lurie made a couple errors in the first game. Who cares? His first then he hit two bombs the next game, though, yeah, coming, exactly. coming he right on Every single White Sox uh, fan that was shitting on him on Twitter. Um, good for him. I, you know, here's another thing, too. I want to touch on it real quick, too. I love Lurie Garcia. He is a perfect five-tool player that we have on this team. Where if so, say Eloy gets hurt, okay, he can go out and play. He can go play out any outfield position that we need. When Cotty needs a rest day, he can play wherever he need, we need to in the infield. So before we start to say, oh, where's Nick Madrigal? Where's all this stuff? Um, yeah, I agree. I think Nick Madrigal should be on, on the 30-man roster. But Lourdes is one of our guys is kind of like this perfect guy that we can put in there and kind of put our trust with him too. Oh yeah, he's the he's the perfect utility guy. That's exactly what he is. Especially during the, this COVID season, with yes, all exactly. the question marks that are going around. Yeah, I mean, we saw it today with the Marlins. I mean, you never know when something... Of course, there might have been some outside factors for causing the Marlins to have this COVID-19 outbreak in their club, uh, which we will not talk about because it is all alleged at this point. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't... I feel like the Marlins' big testing was kind of a, a one-and-done kind of thing. I'm not too worried that another club is going to have this kind of outbreak. Because if something like that does happen, I feel like there's definitely a good shot that this season uh, could go down the drain quite quickly. Very quickly, yes. Yeah. Very quickly. Yes, and uh, kind of keeping with the COVID-19 subject, uh, Ricky, it just came out on my phone about 10 minutes ago. Ricky Renteria has indeed tested negative. For uh, the corona. So, he, he he's good to go. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they still have him out for a couple days to kind of uh, figure his health out. Because, especially this time in our lives, it's definitely most important yeah. for uh, Ricky to take care of his health. So, we hope nothing but the best for Ricky. Even though his lineup sometimes could... Uh, could get us a little agitated, uh, like, uh... Get us a little agitated. Yeah, a little bit. Like, this past weekend, I get what he's trying to do. I get it, but I want to touch on this, and you guys can give me your feels. I don't understand why Mancata is sitting out on the third game of the season. I get it's a sprint, and we need everybody to be ready. But we're playing the Twins, and we know we're gonna... They're, they're the team that we're gonna go head-to-head with, with this division. The Indians are going to be in there, but the Twins are the main dogs in this division. We need to have our best players out there. At first, I was upset that Grandal was sitting, but McCann did just fine. Uh, definitely showing uh, what he did last year wasn't a fluke. But, Moncada's got to be playing. I can understand him sitting the Royals or the Tigers games. But when we're playing the Tigers and the Indian or the Tigers, the Twins and the Indians, he's got to be playing. What do you guys think about that? No, I agree. It almost, you know, almost seems like Ricky's almost overthinking too many things. Um, we saw the quick lineup change too, with Delmonico being thrown in there because uh, the pitching change or whatever. He just wants to be too strategic. Um, but, you know, I, I think that Moncada's sitting. Um, there's probably a reason behind it. Yeah, he just came back from COVID, but he's been playing lights out. And say he has a two-game streak where he doesn't do real well when he comes back, people aren't going to be happy about it. Nope. Um, so I think that, you know, I think, like you said, Brandon, we just have to 
kind of have this mindset that, yeah, it's a sprint, but we also have to be competitive in the games we need to be competitive in. Yes, 100%. Um, you know, there, there's a reason why the White Sox have a great good chance of making the playoffs, even making a run at the World Series, is because of how young the team is. And they are more favorable to be able to withstand the 60 games, the 66 days. So um, I think we have to play to our advantage at some point. You know, it's got it's got to be taken advantage of. Yes, definitely. Pat, what are you thinking? Yeah, 100%. The Sox need to realize that they're a very young team with a lot of firepower in the game. And it's in a season like this, there's no room for errors. Um, Yo-Yo's got to be playing these games. And, and unless Yo-Yo went to Ricky and was like, listen, I need to take a breather on this one, it doesn't bother me at that point. But if Ricky is going to Yo-Yo and like, hey, I want you to take a, take a seat this game or put somebody else in, then I have an issue with it. And Ricky's really got to have trust in his players that they're going to come to him if they feel like they're not able to play in the game. But if they don't say nothing, you got to let these, let these guys play. They're young, and this is like this is a year that they want to prove everybody wrong in the MLB. Like, like Tim Anderson said, ESPN completely forgot about us. And I love that. I yep. love that swagger in there that Tim has. They got to play. It's too competitive a year. There's not enough room for errors. They got to play. Especially in the first series of the year. He's He's got to be playing. Got to be playing. A uh, couple more lineup notes. Real quick, too, on that subject, too, real quick. I wonder how the players react to that. Because I know that Ricky's really liked throughout the clubhouse. Um, and they all really respect him. But I wonder if there's a point. So, say, like, we, we're playing the Twins. Or we're playing a, a game we need to win. And there's a lineup change that really doesn't make sense. And I wonder how the players react to that. Um, Kind of goes up to Makata. You're, you're going to sit this game. I wonder what he, you know, what his mindset is on that going into that. So I think it's a, a thing we keep an eye on, especially with how strategic um, Ricky is with his lineup. So I think that's definitely something we should definitely keep an eye on. Yes, definitely. And uh, a couple more lineup tweaks that I want to talk about. Our beloved Nicky Delmonico. Uh, I, for one, maybe our listeners know, but I know you guys know. I'm very big on baseball cards. My Nicky Delmonico collection is not looking too good right now. Uh, he hit... Oh, man. It, it really does stink. Because this is the first year that he's been fully healthy going into the season. The last two seasons, he's had that shoulder problem. He finally got that taken care of last year. This year, he's fully healthy. And the ball's not coming off of the bat well. I know he hit that two-run homer in the exhibition game. Uh, which, of course, doesn't count for the actual season. Uh, but so far in the actual season, where it counts, he's definitely not showing up. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the White Sox do with good old Nicky. If they keep... Because he was in the lineup again today. So I feel like they're giving him every chance that he uh, can take to uh, show that he's has some kind of production for this team. Defensively, I haven't seen much out of him. Offensively, I haven't seen jack shit. So... PT, what are you feeling about our boy Nicky Delmonico? You know, I'm with you. I'm a big kind of fan of Nicky. I think that, you know, it's kind of been sad um, to see his kind of deal with all these injuries the past couple of years. Um, and I even said to you guys, too, I was happy to see him in the lineup um, because, you know, he always does seem to put on a good spring or summer camp, you know. He always seems to kind of show you a little bit and kind of get us excited. Uh, and I think it's a good thing that we haven't seen too much of, on the defensive side. That means everyone hasn't fucked up that much. So that's a good thing. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's another player in there, too, that will be able to 
put him in the lineup and I, you know right now the ball not, might not be jumping off as bad as much but he'll he's just got to take some time he's healthy let's just see what he does this year kind of let him ride I mean if he's struggling like I said, that's where Leary comes into play. Why don't we let uh, Nikki take a seat, throw Leary in uh, right field, and Brandon, let your boy Danny Mendez take second base. Yes. I don't, and I understand, like I just said before, there are no room for errors. But when Mraz is out and he's on the 10-day uh, injured list and Nikki's not producing, you can't just let him sit there for those 10 days while Mraz is trying to get healthy. Like, yeah. Something's got to change. And you know, Larry, like I said, he's, that's the, this is the dude you want in your team during a season like this. Throw him in right field. You know he can play the field position perfectly fine. And you know he, he's able to produce behind the, uh, behind the plate. And, you know, Mendek had a tough uh, tough go in that Cubs exhibition with those two errors. Yeah, back-to-back, too. Not not good. Yeah, back-to-back. <laughs> and the only, really, the only reason those runs scored um, – let, let him let him be a chance to play. I, mean, I really don't see an issue with that. You, we, we all know Mendek can bat. You know he can field. That that those two errors are just a fluke, in my opinion. Yeah. Let him play. Two layer in right field. Let Mendek start second. See what happens. I mean, yeah. I mean, stash is dirty too. Stash is dirty. Stash. Yeah. So I, I think Ricky's really got to wise up to some stuff like that, where you do have a guy like Robinson as his pitcher. You can't just let Nicky sit in right field for those 10 days and just let him not produce. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. A couple other things. I think the Sox definitely had a tough weekend. Of course, the season's just beginning, but like I said earlier, it's a sprint. So we'll see how – I'm excited to see how they fare against the Indians. Uh, The Twins obviously are, are an offensive juggernaut. Nelson fucking Cruz killed us again this weekend. How, yeah. is that, how old is that guy? I mean, 40. He's, been in the he's 40 five, now. And he's still hitting bombs, man. Like, that's all. Oh, yeah. 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 He's got he's got a chance for, uh, I think he's starting to creep his way to 500. So, we'll, we'll, we'll see if he hits it. We'll see. Dude, but, I mean, shit, the way that Nelson Cruz is hitting at 40, he, he might be able to play another five years. In a DH role, too. Back, back to the uh, whole, like, the series-by-series series thing, too, you know. I, I think with this whole 60, 60 games in 66 days, I think we have to take each series as serious as possible, no matter who the team is. Yeah. Because if we go if we go and lose two, three in a row, dude, that could be killer, man. Lose a series altogether. That could be season-ending, put us out of the playoffs immediately. So we have to – we got to have to – we lose one, we got we got to win the must win next two. You know, it's just got to kind of be a mindset. It's, it's got to be important to not go on losing streaks. It's so important. It is. Uh, streaks are especially important this year, like you were saying. One week you could be in it, and one week you could be out of it. It's really that uh, simple this year. So let's get a hot week going this week. Let's get two wins tomorrow in Cleveland. It was just get on a roll. And uh, hopefully Giolito goes back to himself from last year. He'll I'm, be fine. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it. I think it's just first start of the year jitters and Max fucking Kepler. Yeah, and yeah just yeah. – it wasn't a good start. There's always a mindset to it. If, you, if, if you're, you're going to, in a game and, and you're all on five, firing on all cylinders and you give up a first pitch bomb, you're obviously going to be rattled. Most likely, odds against you, you're not going to have a good game. Uh, it's just like you go up to a bat, 
you let go of the bat or something crazy like that, you're, you're most likely going to strike out. You're not getting on base. It's just how it works. No matter how good a pitcher you are, no matter how good of a player you are, it's just, unfortunately, it's just how the dice rolls. Very true. Very true. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on with the White Sox? I, the game I deal with heavy. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're good. I just, I just want to know what you guys think about. So, Pat, you made a great statement on uh, Robert's number 88. We have a bunch of other players with uh, higher numbers that we really don't see throughout the MLB. Eli, um, 74, and uh, Madrigal, and Andrew Vaughn up in the 90s. What do you guys think about that, the, the higher numbers in baseball? I love it. Uh, I love it for our guys especially. I know Eloy said it uh, last season when uh, – he came up and they uh, asked him, like, why do you have such a high number? And he says, not one player in White Sox history has had this number. I want to be the only one. So I, I, li- I like that, and I feel like a lot of players kind of feel that. Robert, honestly, I feel like he was kind of like, just give me any fucking number. I really don't care. Yeah. Uh, Cease is another one, 84. Cease, yeah. yeah, they all got high numbers. I like it, dude. I mean, not a lot of teams are like that, so... Make it. It's a new vibe you see coming through too. Like even at like the college level, even like high school level, summer ball, all these kids are wearing these odd, crazy numbers, and I think it's just the whole new change. Like change the game. Like Tim Anderson, the whole White Sox are going for is, so they just want to make it fun, make it kind of un- uh, unconventional. I love it. I love it. Yeah, me too. It's perfectly in the the White Sox option this year. This is you know we need to be ourselves. Don't give shit about anybody else. Uh, I think I love it. I love the whole. I like them trying to be unorthodox with all the stuff. I think it's awesome. Okay. Yes, definitely. All right, we're gonna touch on the Cubbies. Uh, uh, it's it's gonna be interesting because I I didn't watch any games because I myself am not subscribed to the Marquee Network. <laughs> Are either of you guys subscribed to the Marquee Network? I actually I actually get it uh, with TV, my my TV package. Um, but I, I don't watch the Cubs, so. Pat, how <laughs> about you? Were you able to watch any of the Floods games? Cubs fans. Uh, so we actually just upgraded our TV package this weekend, and it, there, it does come with the uh, the Marquee Network. I didn't watch um, any of the Cubs games, but they did have the Derrick Rose documentary on the Marquee Network, so I did watch that. Oh, the Poo documentary? Yeah. Very good. I've watched that multiple times. That's a good one. Uh, but... Obviously, with the Cubs, they're two and one right now. Two wins, one loss. They're beating the Reds right now, six to nothing. And the Reds were uh, after this past weekend, they were looking to be the favorites in the NL Central. So it's going to be interesting to see how this series plays out. Every series is big for both the White Sox and Cubs, especially for the Cubs. Because well, especially for the White Sox too. The White Sox are the up and coming team, and the Cubs are trying to show that they're still a very good baseball team. Which they are. They definitely have the offense. They have one of the best offenses in the league. Again with the Cubs, though, the pitching's kind of shaky. We saw you, Darvish, get lit up a little bit. But that's kind of give and go with him. So anywhere, anything on the Cubs from you guys? I think I think it's just interesting um, because I know that the Cubs had a lot of faith coming into the season with you. Um, you know, he, uh, he, was, he came off kind of a decent run towards the end of last season. And they kind of were definitely looking for him to kind of put up big numbers this year for them. And uh, I, I think that with kind of his outing against the White Sox and then this past outing, um, was, I wouldn't say it's scary, 
just because we, we've seen it in our organization too. The White Sox Geo's kind of had his rough start too. Um, but it's just something to keep an eye on. I definitely think so. Uh, I think the other thing interesting too is Brian's not doing too well either. So especially with this upcoming year for them, um, they've got a lot of big moves to make with uh, Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant, I believe. Like, is there there's someone else in their chat? I don't know exactly who it is, but it's you guys. I think they it could be interesting to see what they do with Bryant next year. Yeah, and uh, I think it's after next season, PT, that they lose like six of their main guys. Mm-hmm. So they got they've got some big decisions to make next year. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yes, Pat, you got anything? You Darvish is the big question mark when it comes to that. He had a rough outing against Milwaukee, and then obviously had a rough outing against the Sox in that exhibition game. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it right now, and I, I bet you guys will both back me on this. Kyle Hendricks is the most disrespected and underrated pitcher in the MLB. Hunter, dude, that start was unbelievable. The first complete yeah. game shutout, uh, first complete game shutout for the Cubs on opening day since like 1972. Yeah, he's unreal. He is phenomenal. I mean, me and PT were talking about this before we started. Um, you know, Dallas Keuchel gets pulled after five in a third inning. And, you know, you have to play your cards right during the season. You, the pitchers don't have the, the rest time they usually do. You got Hendricks going nine innings in the first game in the opener. Do I see where, where uh, Dave Ross going with that? He's probably trying to set a tone, which I'm all for it. Um but you gotta be careful. I don't think Hendricks will be able to do stuff like that the entire year. You gotta pre- you gotta preserve him, especially if if you isn't gonna be able to produce that well. Uh, Chet with the other night didn't, you know, he wasn't phenomenal, but the offense had his back, so they you know stuck it to him. I honestly, the biggest thing is the Cubs looked for taking two out of three against the Brewers in the opening series is a hell of a way to set to set the tone for the season. Yes. Um, again, like I said, the pitching is the biggest question mark. On paper, you read the names of Hendricks, Darvish, Chatwood, Lester. It looks good on paper. It's whether they produce. They have the firepower. They have the bat. There's no question about it. It's just whether the, the pitching can come around. Yeah, and uh, kind of going off with David Ross. and uh, Oh, uh, just to let you guys know, John Lester's throwing a no-hitter through five against the Reds right now. So, yeah, probably. Uh, so all the John Lester haters out there, it looks like the old man still has a little juice left in him. Uh, but going off of David Ross with Kyle Hendricks, I kind of feel like since David Ross was a catcher, he has a different perspective of when to uh, pull a pitcher. Uh, if Joe Madden was still the manager, I feel like he would have preserved Kyle Hendricks and taken him out earlier. But David Ross himself being just out of the ball game. And uh, just retiring a couple years ago. Kind of still has that ball player feel. Where if he feels like a game's in reach with his best starting pitcher. He's going to keep his best starting pitcher out there. We might not see it anymore with these uh, new kids on the block. With guys like Walker Bueller Or uh, Jose Barrios with the Twins. Managers might be taking him out early in the game. But David Ross is an old player. He's definitely going to keep each starting pitcher in until they hit their max. So I feel like that's going to be an interesting outlook for the rest of the season with yeah. the Cubs pitching. I definitely like that, though. He's definitely bringing a new perspective to the game, you know, um, a former player that, you know, we kind of see a lot of that through, like, the NBA with former players coming and coaching. Um, I'm muted. So stuff fine. like that, too. 
But I definitely think it's it's something that the Cubs will take advantage of this year. David Ross, I think, will do a good job. And, like, he knows multi, most of these pitchers, too, because he's played with them. So I think it's just going to be another advantage that they'll have this year that David Ross will be able to take advantage of for sure. Yeah, definitely. Pat, you got anything? No, that's it. All right. Pat, I know you've been waiting. Let's get hey, let's get into this Blackhawks talk. I know I'm pretty excited to see oh, some playoff man. hockey. I'm always ready for some Blackhawks talk, baby. All right, so the uh, as of today, the 27th of July, all teams for the NHL reported to their respective cities. Uh, the Western Conference is playing in Edmonton. Eastern Conference is playing in Toronto. Uh, they had, in their Phase 3, they just released a number today, in Phase 3, they had, I think, over 40 or close to 4,500 COVID testing in, like, a, close to 15 days, and they had zero positive cases, which is awesome. Big old donut hole. Which is awesome, awesome to see, especially with the teams in their own, you know, in their own city, you know, they're not even in the bubble yet, they're still testing, negative, which is awesome to see. Uh, the... The way the schedule pants out for the Hawks is they have a scrimmage on Wednesday against the Blues, which I'm expecting them to be that the lineup that you're going to see on Wednesday is going to be the starting lineup uh, come August 1st. So August 1st is a Saturday. That's our first game, game one. Then game two is the second. And then game three is August 5th. Um, and it's a best of five series against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, so I had a couple injury updates, and it's kind of been very scary. Um, my main guy on Twitter is Charlie Meliotis. Uh, has, uh, <clears throat> I follow him on Twitter for all things Blackhawks. And the two definite, or three actually, is Andrew Shaw is done for the season. He suffered a concussion earlier in the season, and he said he's going to take the rest of the year off and he'll be ready to go once next season comes around. Uh, Dennis Gilbert, he had wrist surgery over quarantine, and he'll be done for the season. And then this one was kind of surprising to me is uh, Brent Zebra was done for the year pre-COVID because he had hip surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and once COVID kind of started and then talks are getting back up that the Hawks are, or hockey would be returning, uh, Zebra was back on the ice once training camp started. And he looked pretty good. Um, and he's going to be, I mean, Zebra, a guy like Zebra is going to be a huge asset to have in the locker room. He might not be the best on defense at this point. Um, you don't know if he's fully healthy, but he'd be a huge ass in the locker room if he's back here before. And, and when the final playoff rosters came out, Zebra was not it. So Zebra will be taking the rest of the year off. Uh, Jeremy Calvin said it was Zebra's idea that he did not want, didn't feel 100% enough to go play it at that level right now. Um, so who knows what next year looks for Zebra. Uh, you know, we don't really know. He'll be. He said he wants to play 100%. He doesn't know where he stands with the Blackhawks. That's something to tackle the uh, So how do you guys feel about the schedule coming up and those couple injuries that we've had so far? I'm pumped. I'm so excited for Blackhawks hockey. I just want to watch hockey, dude. I don't even care. We can lose the first two games and be going home. But you know what? Fuck it. We're watching Blackhawks hockey. Uh, I'm locked in. I'm ready to go. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Of course, with the Rona... The vibes are a little bit different because uh, playoff hockey in Chicago, the city would be going nuts. Uh, obviously, some bars are open, so I guess we'll never know with uh, some of the uh, atmospheres that are going to be created. But it's just going to be nice to sit down. It's summertime. We're watching Blackhawks hockey. There's really nothing better to do. There's nothing better than watching playoff hockey with Chicago, especially during the summer. Yeah, sir. Yeah, for sure. 
I think um, it's always good to have the Blackhawks in the playoffs. It's something special Chicago. It has been for a long time. Um, the matchup specifically with the Oilers just scares the shit out of me. Um, they're fast or slow, so it's not a good, not a good guy, not a good combination to have. Um, the other issue we had too that was kind of scary for a while um, was Crawford had COVID. Um, they confirmed it a week ago, I believe so, and he was back on the ice before they left, uh, which is always good to see because I think they would have had no chance whatsoever to beat the Oilers if he wasn't um, in the in the net. But for sure, um, it's it's. Blackhawks playoff hockey, man. I, Duncan Keith posted that absolutely savage picture. Oh, I love Instagram it. Oh, I love it. His long, greasy hair. Uh, it definitely brought goosebumps back to me because playoff hockey has been something special that we've grown up watching. And I, I think it's just, you know, this year's going to be nothing different, even though no fans will be there. I think we'll all be excited to see no matter what happens. I think the other good thing, too, is say we do just get absolutely shit on by the Oilers, don't we still have a chance to be a lottery pick this year as well? Yes, yeah. if we uh, if we get eliminated uh, first round, we have a 12.5% chance of getting the first pick. Exactly, so pros and cons, boys, weigh them, be excited, but let's, yeah. let's, let's just let it play out, and whatever happens, happens, boys, it's playoff hockey, let's go. Yes, Pat, I don't know if you heard, but there's word going around Blackhawks camp that Kirby Doc has put on some fucking weight. And is a yeah. is a big dude now, and he's letting people know on the boards. Yes, I'm not is. gonna lie though, too. His voice sounds a little deeper too. I think they did an interview with him at camp, and he sounded like his his balls have dropped a little bit too. So we'll see what he turns into. I mean, it's crazy to think that kid's 18. Yeah, um, and he's and the, the future he has ahead of him is bright as it possibly be. Yeah, the 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 Hawks, the Hawks are looking good for the future. We've got, uh, who's the defenseman? I'm blanking on the name. Uh, oh, Boquist. Yes, yeah, we got Bo-Quist him too. Yes, it's um, looking I th- good. I think another important thing we kind of we need to keep an eye on too that stuff's going to start going crazy is the front office, you know. Um, we had a huge change um, with McDonough being fired. Um, Stan's job is still in the air. Um, so I think we got to keep an Send eye him to the sun. Send him to the Send sun. To the sun, is that how you feel? Yes, that is no, exactly I, how I feel. I, I think that's the vibes around camp is what it sounds like. Um, it was it was surprising because uh, when McDonough got fired, it was kind of crazy because in January uh, for class, I went and he actually talked to us, to, to my class at uh, United Center. It sounded like vibes were pretty positive around camp and it sounded like he was going to be around there for a while and then all of a sudden the, 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 the notification popped up on my phone that he had been sent to the moon, so I, I think I think that's another way of coming through with Stan, and I, I think it's, a, it's I think it's a good good change for Blackhawks because um, it's a new team now. If you really think about it, uh, people are starting to uh, all the kind of the old guys are starting to move out. Kaner's getting old, Tay's getting old. Don't get me wrong, they're they're going to probably be here. Hopefully, we make them Blackhawks for life. But um, we got to start focusing on Doc and and Boquist and all those younger guys because man, it's going to we could build something special again. Yeah, I agree. It's the future is bright, and and that's why I'm pretty optimistic when it comes to the series with our young guys. Um, yep. We did have a couple scares in this in this uh, training camp. You already mentioned Corey Crawford didn't show up for about two weeks. Uh, he was able to take the ice for the last couple practices. He did have COVID. Um, so we did have Connor or Colin Delia, Malcolm Subban, and Kevin Lankin all in that during training camp. 
Um, if I'm going to put a prediction down, I'm assuming Corey's obviously going to be our starter come game one, and Kyle Dealey will be our number two. I hope so, um, Pat. I really hope so. I, hope so. <laughs> yeah. I really I, hope I feel, so. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see Crow and Nets uh, come this game against the Blues on Wednesday. Just because yeah. Corey, I, you can throw him in that uh, on game one. He'll, he'll feel like at home. Uh, where if God forbid he does get hurt or get sick, he, I'd rather have Colin be playing this game against the Blues to get some real playing time. Yes, and good experience. Um, good experience. Colin, Colin did really well for the Hawks last year when Corey went out with Vertigo. Colin got a lot of playing time yeah. last season. He played yeah, he really did. well, so I, I feel confident about him completely. I hope Subban. I hope Subban's uh, stint with the Hawks are is very very short. Yeah, like, that blows my mind that like we even um, that trade was so abysmal, bro. Yeah. Like it was, it, absolutely it was a horrible awful. trade. We'd be looking yeah, so was. different right now if we didn't make that trade. Uh, yeah, you're 100 oh, right, dude. Fuck. 100%. You know, oh. then you learn. Screw it. Yes. Um, but we did have a couple more scares outside of Crow. Uh, Jonathan Hayes was out for a couple days, too, which is scary. Uh, but he's back and ready to go. Uh, Connor Murphy has currently got a, a groin injury, and he's unexpected. They don't know what he's going to do for this first game. Just stretch it out, Murph. Just stretch it out, dog. Yeah. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and uh, Brandon, I'll, I'll touch on it right now. I have an all-capital letters on my notes. Kirby Dock looks absolutely phenomenal oh. in this training camp. Oh. You know it, you know the shit's real when you got guys like Keith and Kane, you're like, holy shit, like, dude, this, this kid's ready to go. Yes. Like, they're gassing him up. Like, I'm stoked to see what this kid's got. Yeah. So excited. Out. So excited. Um, yeah, just imagine, too. He's been showing flashes, like, of just greatness, oh. like, actually unreal moves. Just so can't wait till he puts something together where it's just like, he's going to make our jaws drop. I agree. Uh, so then going forward, with this series coming up, it's a five-game series, um, and I – my biggest, I think our our, big, our best line is going to be Nylander, Strom, and Kane. I think they're going to be our biggest producers, and I think that line should be absolutely deadly when it comes to it. But ultimately, the key to a victory in the series is going to come from defense. You have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl that are absolutely deadly together, and they can and will burn the Hawks with their speed in the neutral zone. They're fast as can be. Um, and as much as I... Shit on Slater Cuckoo and Oli Mata in previous podcasts. Cuckoo's a fucking oh. bitch. I don't care what you say, Pat. I can't stand him. I'm going to tell you this. I'm not a big fan of him at all. But he's going to play a big role when it comes to stopping these guys. Um, him, yeah. Oli Mata, and Boquist, and uh, Connor Murphy as well. They're going to play a big role. Leon Dreisaitl, is our, uh, he won the Art Ross Trophy this year with the most points. He had 110 points in 71 games, which is absurd to even think about. And his teammate, Connor McDavid, was number two in that race. So he had the two highest point scores in the league going up against the first round. Um, so guys like Slater, Oyamata, Boquist, you guys, they can't let McDavid and Dreisaitl get up to speed. It just can't happen. Uh, and then, two, the Hawks. Offensively, we have the firepower. Hopefully, the Brinkett can show up. He was struggling all season. But Coop uh, Week is still a, uh, he's a front runner for rookie of the year, and so is Kirby Doc as well. Or no, Coop Week is uh, Kirby Doc has just came short of that. Um, they have the young guys and they have the firepower offensively to play a really good series, and they also have the veterans. I mean, you have Corey who's won two cups. You have Kane and Tate with three cups, and Keith with three cups. You guys got it's similar to what we looked like in 2010 and 2013 when. 
we were super young and we just needed those guys that you know, to kind of push it over the edge and had that experience. And, and McDavid and Drysaddle, they don't have that. The Edmonton Oilers don't have that experience to know what it's like. And honestly, nobody knows what to expect going into a quiet stadium this year and playing for a Stanley Cup. And it's, but just knowing what it takes, I'm, I'm very confident in our guys what we got. Yes, I am too. It, it could go either way, but like PT said, Whatever happens, happens. It's just going to be nice watching Blackhawks hockey again. Hell yeah. So, a couple of few, uh, few things we got to wrap up the Hawks. Uh, the Hawks had a big signing. They, pay, they end up signing our draft pick, Ian Mitchell, who will be fighting for a spot um, next season, which I'm very excited about. He's going to be a huge asset in, in that young core that we were just talking about earlier. Uh, and the last thing, and we can kind of stray off the Hawks right now, we're gonna. I'm gonna have a little PTSD back to when the Golden Knights came in the league and we had an expansion draft. This is a hot right. NHL. Oh draft. shit! I forgot and about that. Since Seattle Kraken are coming in next year, um, I know I sent the pictures of everything once they went live on Twitter. The I think the name. I'm all about it. Uh, the rumors I've heard something seen on Twitter. They're gonna call their stadium Crack House. Absolutely. That is that's electric. That's electric. The jerseys, I'm not too big on. I'm really not. But the the logo itself, uh, with like the the cracking like tentacle embedded in the S, I think it looks badass. I really think it does. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, I was actually really excited um, because there's a lot of anticipation built up with it because there's they, the announcement was pushed back and everyone was kind of figure out what it was. Um, everyone was kind of, I think Kraken was kind of, I think that was kind of leaked or people knew that was kind of be the yeah. name. Um, but I, I, my favorite part, I really like the colors. I think there's something there. I really like that color combo, but I, my favorite thing is the, their, their shoulder patch with the anchor and it had the space yeah. needle at the top. I thought the detail was really well, really well designed. Um, and I think it's going to be crazy. It does scare me because they took uh, in their Twitter bio. Is we're coming for your team, like uh, your team's players or something like that. Yeah. I, it kind of gives me uh, nervous. I think that's another thing we, we should go back and talk about real quick. I'm um, with Kubelik because he's going to want a lot of money next year, and it's going to be scary to see what we do with that and who we put up on the block for them to possibly take from us too. So something uh, is scary. If you, if, uh, if our listeners out there listen to the Checkups as well, the hockey podcast with Barstool, Biz came out and was talking some stats. It looks like the cap is not going to be increasing whatsoever come next year, which for teams like Tampa and Toronto, it's going to be a bad position they're going to be in because they have a lot of money locked up in their star players. The Hawks, were, it's going to be close uh, with guys like Strome that are going to want to come back. Uh, it's it's going to be tough to see what happens. And, I mean, the expansion draft is like one of the most gut wrenching. Like after dealing it with dealing, say, having to deal with it with Golden or Golden Knights, it's horrible and I don't want to go through it again. Um, but I would imagine I mean I would imagine that guys like Kubelik, Doc obviously Boquist, a lot of the obviously Tays and Kane are gonna be locked right away. Yeah. And Corey is too. Um, best thing too is I kinda of forgot about this when we were talking about this Robin Leonard trade a couple months back. Is yeah, I mean, it would look completely different if we had him right now. Um, we actually have a little bit better cap space uh, because we ate some of his contract, which I'm still pissed about. But 
who knows if we were would have been able to keep him once the Savannah draft came along. Like, there's probably no way we're going to resign him. And we can't – I don't think you can freeze two goalies that are – you can't let it – so Robin would have been on the block, and Seattle would have been stupid not to take him because he's clearly the best backup in the league. Um, so it's – I love it. I love expanding new teams. I was kind of hoping they were going to go with the Seattle Whalers, bring back the Harper yeah. Whalers. That was one of my that favorite cool. logos of all time. But sure. um, – I want the crack house, and I'm kind of all about it. Dude, the the, that's house. such a that good is, name. That is crazy. That is so funny. I'm all about it. But overall, I mean, so my prediction uh, for the Hawks series with Edmonton, uh, I think it's going to go five full games. I think it's going to be an absolute dogfight. But at the end of the day, I think um, if we can shut down guys like Dry Idol and, and Connor David, and we have our veterans like Taze, Kane, Keith, and, and Crow, I think we can get the job done and win the series 3 2. Very nice. Uh, if we're do if we're doing predictions here, I'm going three yeah, one Hawks. Three one Hawks. All right. Well, I hate to be the Debbie Downer here, but <laughs> if I had any money to put on the, any of these games, it's going to be on the Oilers. Um, unfortunately, I just Damn watched it, too much hockey, Blackhawks hockey this year. I just don't yeah. think they have it. Um, which is which, like I said, there's a bright side to that as well. Possibly get number one pick. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. You know, I hope I see some competitive out competitive this out of there because pat you've made actually some really good points that kind of actually made me feel a little bit better about this series so i'm glad that we were able to talk about it before that because i was feeling hopeless um but i'm excited like i said it's blackhawk blackhawk playoff hockey you can't it's just a special feeling can't beat it you cannot beat it so i actually i didn't give my score i'll I'll go i'll give the hawks i'll go three one Edmonds. i'll give the hawks one game win all right pat you got anything else that's all I got. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna call it an episode today. We're gonna wait to talk about uh, basketball when Jay gets back. Uh, obviously, I know I know our Cubs fans might be a little upset with the lack of Cubs talk today, uh, but our our main man Jack was out today uh, for whatever reason. He who knows who knows he might be watching the Cubs game tonight. Yeah, also. Also, Lester pulled from the game after five no-hit innings, so I take that back about David Ross leaving his pitch- pitchers in. <laughs> he only had se- he only had seventy pitches though, so hopefully nothing's wrong with him. Let's- yeah, seriously, there's been a lot of like a lot of arm issues so far this year. So yeah, no hitters already gone by the way too. Whoever came in gave up a run. Gosh dang it! It was Dan Winkler, so fucking Dan. Who's the guy in the Cubs that was Cassianos is on the Reds now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. His revenge tour on the Cubs. The Cubs fucked up big time in that one. Yeah. Yeah. That fucked up. Uh, let's see here. Let's see who scored the run for Cincinnati. Oh, we hit a bomb. Jesse Winker hit a single to center. <laughs> All right. Hello. All right, boys. Good episode tonight. I'm uh, happy that we're back. Feels good. Feels good to be watching sports again, that's for sure. Hopefully our White Sox can swing it around. Hopefully the Cubs can keep trucking along. And, of course, let's hope our Blackhawks go right into the swing of things and get a uh, series win from Edmonton. I hope they prove me wrong. I'm really hoping it. I'll come on and apologize. (laughs) Good. A public, uh, public service announcement from PT. Exactly. I'll do it. All right, boys. Have a safe one. Adios. Peace out.
Austin Jackson back looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He's gone. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawk wins. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. Key to the 20, breaks free of the 25, to the 30, to the end.